Well, church, I need to uh, say that this morning I joined a club that I thought I was never, ever going to join in my whole childhood. I laughed at people who were a part of these clubs, and it was the club of the preacher left their microphone on during worship. And so this morning I could just sort of hear very faintly my voice, and then if you heard uh, there was a pause where Kian started praying, and I went, mm, and I heard my voice go all the way through the auditorium. And so I just want to say, hey, we all make mistakes here, don't we? And that's... That's fantastic. But I just wanted to let you know that I joined a club that, you know, for my whole life I poked fun at people that left their microphones on and now I'm one of them. So isn't it good to know that we all get humbled sometimes um, at church? But all jokes aside, um, if I haven't met you before, my name is Jason. I'm the... um, I'm the, the community life pastor here at New Life, which means that uh, I get to oversee um, all things community and life um, within the life of our church. So things like Alpha, the running of our services, and also how we as a church um, can, can build on the community that we have and also um, stretch out into the wider um, community that we have around here. So if you have any ideas, any suggestions, or you'd like to just grab a coffee and you know, just share some ideas and your passion to see those ideas come to fruition, Hit me up. I'd love to um, to have a coffee with you and just um, yeah, hear how we can make this church all that um, that we believe that it can be for God's glory. So, um, so what I'd love to do before I start. I just love to pray because I just find it's really, really helpful just for me firstly um, and then for all of us just to just to steal our hearts and our minds. So why don't we close our eyes now and pray? So Lord, we uh, we thank you that with a Lord, we're here in the room, whether we're behind a screen, wherever we find ourselves um, in this moment, we just thank you for the gift that it is. God, whether it's the live streaming, whether it's here in the room, Lord, we are blessed to be a part of a community. And we are blessed that we get to open up your word this morning together. And so, Lord, I want to pray uh, for, for any distractions that may be going on in my mind, in the minds of people within our congregation, whatever it is that may be going on, Lord. I just pray that in this moment those distractions can just, just fall away, Lord, and we can just sit and we can just be present um, with you for the next uh, precious moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, John asked Anna um, what, what her New Year's resolution was, and poor old Anna couldn't think of anything. I was really wanting to just yell something out just to help her out, but I was, um, I was thinking this week about the New Year's resolutions um, that I thought I'd set over the years, and I looked back on 2022, and as I was preparing, I thought, I wonder whether I did achieve my New Year's resolution. I was like, oh, I still don't know what my New Year's resolution was for 2022. Anyone else forget theirs for 2022? Thanks for your honesty. Good. Um, And 2021, it was the same. 2020, it was the same. 2019, it was the same. I thought, gee, what was the last New Year's resolution that I remember setting? And it was all the way back in 2006 when little Jason was in grade eight going into grade nine. He was starting out at a new school. And I thought, well, what was the difference between, because I have actually set New Year's resolutions. Clearly, I'm just, I don't care about them. And so I thought, what was the difference between this one there back then and the ones that I've set since then? 
And I realized that on that, I was on this Christian camp, um, and it's this camp where they get all of these country kids from all around Victoria who are from small churches and rural communities, and they put them all um, on a campsite together. And just to really encourage and support uh, teenagers who are maybe in communities where it may only be one or two people um, their age who are Christians, they get us all together, and it's this beautiful, wonderful thing. And we loved these camps. We look forward to them. And this one camp in particular, I remember that was the moment really where I was like, now nah, I'm going to make my faith my own. I'm starting out at a new high school. I get a fresh start. I get a clean slate. And God was clearly working something in my heart. And then I, um, I turned to Ralph, um, who was the, our minister at the time. That's Ralph down at Village Church. And um, I turned to Ralph and I said, Ralph, I don't think I should have a girlfriend for this whole year. Now, we sort of giggle, you know, being 32 now and married, it's kind of like that's such a juvenile thing. But at the time, like I thought, this was like groundbreaking stuff. And, and, and as, I, as I said those words, I had this conviction, this thing of like, yeah, I really think this would be a good thing for me. And so bless Ralph's heart throughout the year, he uh, gently reminded me of that commitment that I'd made. And, um, and I look back on that year, and I look back and the transformation in my life was huge. For the first time, I was actually able to pull back. And before I just made any decisions, I actually paused and thought. And so I realized that this year actually kept me out of so much trouble, prevented me from getting myself into a little bit of trouble. And it actually helped form who I am now. And I thought, I was thinking about it. I was like, why is it that I can remember what I did when I was 14 years old at a Christian camp but I cannot remember for the life of me what I said I was going to do 365 days ago. And it's all got to do with the depth of the goals that I set. You see, the success and the transformation of my life was in direct proportion to the depth of the goals that I set. Now, it's really important to know I didn't say size. I said depth, and it's really helpful for us to understand the difference of that. And so when I'm talking about depth, what am I talking about? Well, when we talk about going deep, we actually have to scrape below the surface. You see, so often I think, and I'm not having, this is just a totally a hypothetical scenario, probably more aims at me than anyone else, because you're all good people. But every time when it comes to New Year's, what normally happens is I get a stomach ache from eating too much ham, and I say to Sophie, I need to stop eating so much. He's like, good for you. And then, you know, it's like, 3rd of January, and I'm like, oh, where's the ham? And, you know, it's this whole thing, and it's kind of like, because there was no meaning to it. But when we talk about depth, what we're saying is, is we've actually realised there's a longing in us for something more. There's something in us where our eyes have been opened up and we've seen the potential that if we begin to do this, if we begin to step into this habit or we try and set this goal or we do this, then the fruit that we can see from that is going to be huge. There's this conviction that comes from it. When we're talking about depth, conviction is involved. There's this stirring in our heart that says, I want more than I've currently got. I want to achieve more. I want something to happen. But sometimes when we talk about depth, depth is revealed in quite a confronting way. Sometimes we can almost get like a little bit of a look into our future. Like, you know, those moments where you're like, oh, wow, that's going to lead me to there. Has anyone ever had those moments before where you just think, wow, if I keep going, that's not a good thing? And Craig Rochelle, in this book, Divine Direction, he talks about this. This is a wonderful book. If you actually want to um, just establish some healthy rhythms and you're not much of a reader, I would encourage you, this book called Divine Direction is a really, really helpful book. But in this book, he says this line, he asks this question. I find it so confronting. When we talk about chasing depth, 
and prioritising depth over the size of our goals, Craig Rochelle says this, if you were to write your life story based on the life that you are currently living, how would that story write? If you were to write your life story based on the life that you're currently living, how would that story write? So if you were to continue maintaining the life that you were living, how would your life play out? I think as Christians, we really need to be brave enough to ask ourselves this question. It's quite a confronting and eye-opening question. And um, recently, we, when I came back from holidays, I jumped into my pigeonhole and I saw that we actually got back our um, NCLS um, data, which this was just a survey that we do every four years with our congregation to really get a feel for how our congregation is going spiritually, um, how they're feeling in their sense of community. And some of you will have filled out um, that, that data for us. And as I was reading through that data, I was shocked because I actually got this foresight and we got to see what the trajectory of the life of our church is. And in 2016, 37% of our congregation said they were, engaged, they, they were involved in much change in their faith in the life of our church. So much change could be you know, like strong change, but much change was the option. So 37% in 2016. Fast forward to 2022 and it's only 25%. So if we think about that, over six years, it's dropped 12%, which means 2% a year of our congregation is no longer experiencing this significant change in their life. They're no longer experiencing significant faith moments in their life. And so if we are actually to, as a church, humbly come before you and say, well, well, what narrative are we going to write? It kind of sounds like if we keep writing the narrative we're writing, then we're in this dangerous territory of becoming a place of entertainment. And so I say this to say, with humility, we as pastors will be praying into this. And this is the reason why every year we start with the same series, because we believe that there is no greater thing that we can do for our faith. There is nothing better that we can do than to start our years and not set goals just for the sake of setting goals, but actually sit before our Creator and say, all right, God, what's this year going to look like for me? How do we do this together? How do I draw closer to you? It's quite a confronting statistic to look at. And what I also found really, really interesting was because sometimes, you know, you can sort of morph and shape stats to however you want them to go. But then if you look on the flip side, the other one, um, the other option was some change. Was there some change in your faith? And it was really interesting. One went down and one went up. And so it's quite a confronting thing for us to look at. And so, so church, I think what we need to do is we actually need to take our rhythm seriously. We don't just need to say, yeah, we're going to do a New Year's resolution. I've got them. They're going to be fun. Like, I'll enjoy trying to do my New Year's resolutions. But what we're talking about here is we actually need to take a look into our souls. We actually need to be brave enough to ask ourselves the question, God, if I continue to walk in the journey that I'm currently walking, where is my faith going to take me? And how do I rewrite that narrative? How do I correct some of those things? How do I actually step into line with that? And John Mark Homer who we love here when he speaks about rhythms. He's brilliant. His book is excellent as well. But he says this, the rule of life is a singular rule. So it's not like a whole massive big, like, you know, what of checklist. But it's this way of life that moves in seasons and is designed to help with spiritual practices and relational rhythms. So if I was to ask you right now, in 2022, say you were here this time last year and you're hearing me preach on the same text last year. Look back from that year to now. How would you say your spiritual practices went? Would you say that you, know, you, you, 
you far surpassed them? Were you kind of like, oh, yeah, I threw in the towel. It sounded like a nice idea. Whereabouts were you? I actually think we need to ask that question. Who did you become in 2022? Because as we've heard time and time and time again, we're becoming something. It just depends what we're becoming. What were your relational rhythms like in 2022? You see, the life of Jesus is this one that models the rule of life so beautifully. When we actually think about what the rule of life is, as I said, it's relational rhythms and it's spiritual practices. Jesus did that better than anyone. Think about what Jesus did. Jesus opened up, funnily enough, the doors of other people's houses and invited people in. If you know your Bible, you might get a little giggle out of that one. But Jesus invited random people around to other people's houses to show hospitality. People who did not belong, people who did not get invited into people's houses, Jesus showed them this radical hospitality. Jesus went away to be alone. You read through the Gospels and time and time again, before something happens, before anything happens, it's like Jesus went off to be alone. Jesus was alone. The disciples interrupted Jesus while he was alone. Jesus sought out this time to be intimate and in relationship with the one who created him, with his Father. Jesus understood the value of spiritual practices. Jesus knew his way around the Old Testament. He was a smart fellow, was our Jesus. He knew what he was talking about. He knew it and he prioritised the people around him. He invested in the lives of those that God had placed around him. See, Jesus understood what it meant to have a rule of life. It wasn't a checklist of things to say, yep, done that for the year. But it was this way of life of going, how do I draw closer? How do I become more and more like God? How do I become more and more like Jesus, like who he was created to be? And so church, we've got to look at what it says in the Bible. Now, if you were here last year, same verse as what I read last year. And the reason we're doing this is because there's so much beauty and there's so much truth in this text. In John 15, 1 to, um, 1 to 5, it says this. It says, <clears throat> I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What a beautiful image that Jesus gives us here. You see, it's helpful for us to understand that Jesus isn't literally calling himself a vine, but he's using this imagery to help illustrate to people who often work with their hands, who are very agriculturally minded, some like the blue collar workers we could call them. Jesus was communicating in a way that they understood the truth that he was trying to say. So what was Jesus trying to say when he says, I am the true vine? Because he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. See, when he says, I am the true vine, it's important for us to realize that in the Old Testament, people sometimes appeared as vines or God sometimes appeared as a vine. And so what Jesus in this moment is saying, despite what happened in the Old Testament, that was just a foretelling for this moment. So Jesus is saying in this moment, I am the Messiah. I am the one. I am the true vine, the one that has been prophesied about thousands of years. I am it. This is me. My father is the gardener. So what do we learn about the father? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Um, and once again, this, this language around pruning and, and um, a tree. And I think it's really, really helpful. But Craig Rochelle, um, in, in his book, Divine Direction, sort of takes it on a bit of a different lens. And I think it's like it's also helpful language for us to understand. It might be a bit easier for us to, to palette this, this way of thinking. Craig Rochelle basically says you've got to start something, you've got to stop something, and you've got to continue something. So what are you going to start? So when we talk about starting, what do you need to start? What rhythms, what practices do you need to start in your life to begin to see kingdom fruit in your life? What practices do you need to start? What branches need to be chopped or what things need to be cut off in your life? What are the things that you're currently doing that are in no way enriching your relationship with Christ. And in fact, if all they're doing is they're zapping the energy that could be used for good for something worse. So what needs to stop? What needs to be chopped off? And then what needs to continue? And when we talk about continue, Jesus uses this imagery of branches being pruned back and you, you cut them back so that then they grow more. And so it's important to know that the things that we continue, it's good for us to continue. And we might go through seasons where God maybe just kind of feels like God's pulling back the reins a little bit. But we need to trust that what God is doing in that season, if it's producing fruit, He's going to cut that branch back so then it can produce more fruit. So it's really important for us to understand that, that image. So start, stop, and continue, as Craig Rochelle says it. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. I love that. You are already clean. See, once again, here's Jesus, and he's very, very clever with the wording that he uses. Because when he talks about being clean, he's kind of talking about two different meanings. He's talking about firstly, like a clean cut branch. So that's language that they would understand. But also he's talking about a deeper cleansing. They have been washed clean because of what Jesus has spoken to them already. These people have been washed clean. So it's this beautiful reminder, Jesus saying, hey, the junk's been cut off. You've been washed clean. And he says, remain in me. So now it's been cut off. You've been washed clean. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, when we read this word "remain," it can kind of be a little bit lost in translation. But what it what it was meaning, if we were to pull it back to what Jesus was originally trying to communicate to us, is that He was saying, "Make your home with Me." Make your home with me. Now, this is language that, that we need to understand that when you invite someone into your home, it's vulnerable, it's raw. It's you in all of your, well, not all of your glory, I hope not, but when you put clothes on, when you have guests around, but it's you inviting people around to your house and actually saying, this is who I am. Warts and all, this is me. This is the messy house. And so what Jesus is saying is invite me in. As I have invited you in, invite me in and let's actually do life together. Friends, this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, that He invites us to be intimate, to be relational, to be close to Him. Church, this is good news for all of us, that the one who breathed life into our lungs invites us into an intimate relationship. He says, I want to make myself at home in your house and you do the same with me. Church, that is beautiful. No branch can bear fruit by itself. So what's Jesus saying? You can go off and have all of these great hoof-lung-dung ideas, but if it's not rooted in the relationship with me, then it's going to be for nothing. 
in the message translation, I really like how they just kind of, how Eugene Peterson translates this. He says, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. It's beautiful. That is beautiful language that Jesus uses there. And then to finish it all off, in case we haven't worked out that you know Jesus isn't just talking about a tree, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. See, I love this because there's, there's like a guarantee that Jesus gives us in this part of the scripture. It doesn't say if you remain in me and I in you, you might bear a little bit of fruit. No, it says if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thing for Jesus to say that it's not a spectator sport. It's not like, you know, we all go look at the vineyard and go, wow, look at the beautiful grapes. Jesus is saying, no, no, remain in me and you will produce fruit. Watch what I can do when you surrender your life to me. When you get intimate with me, when you make your home in my home, when we're close, watch what we can do together. Beautiful invitation, beautiful language. And apart from me, you can do nothing. There it is. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love how clear Jesus makes that for us. We should never get tired of reading this piece of scripture because it is so pivotal to our discipleship and to our relationship with Christ. But you see, as, as we read this, it, it can kind of be like, all right, cool, we've read this before, like that's great, but, but what does this mean for now? Like what's this, what's this rule of life? Like we get that Jesus was the best at it, but, but how do we do this knowing what we know, knowing what we've read, what the rule of life is, is to remain in Christ. How do we do this? How do we remain in Christ? Well, this year, or this, yeah, this year, it is now. <laughs> I had a little bit of a, what year is it? This year, um, sorry, I'll focus. The, um, the, the team decided that what we'd do for this series is we would get a little bit more real, we'd get a little bit more raw, and we'd, we'd actually create this opportunity for not so much talk, but action and for conversation, for us as a church to actually take this spiritual formation, this rule of life seriously. And so what the, what the team has done is we've created a booklet that explains a little bit about what the rule of life is. It explains it much better than I have and how we design our rule of life. And then in here it actually has, you'll see there's um, all these little areas for us to write down the different areas in which we want to invest in our spiritual journey, invest in the lives of people around us. And, and so I would encourage you that um, it's for families. So there'll be one per family. That could be single. That could be a couple. That could be a family. What, whatever that looks like. But take this home. Don't just stick it on the fridge or let it sit in the car. Actually give God even half an hour today. Give God half an hour where you sit down and say, okay, God, what does it look like for us to actually embark on a rule of life, for us to, to take our spiritual formation seriously, to care about the relationships that God has put before us? Church, you can do nothing greater for your spiritual life, for your family, for your, for your spouse, your husband and wife, whoever it is, whatever it looks like for you, you can do nothing greater than sit down and say to God, hey God, I wanna take my faith seriously this year. I want this year to be the kind of year that is marked 
by me becoming who you created me to be. I don't want this year to be a year where I look back and go, what was that goal that I set? What did I try and do? No, no, I want this to be a year that is significant in the life of my faith. Church, there is a reason why I can remember the camp that I went on in 2006. There's a reason that I still have such fond memories of making that commitment and sticking it out because for me, that was my rule of life. That was a moment for me as a 14-year-old boy to say, I want to stand apart. I actually want to prioritize my relationship with God before anything else. And that was a moment that has helped form who I am. So church, this stuff works when we actually take this seriously. Change happens in our life. So I encourage you, even right now, just as we begin to sort of to land, I just encourage you, begin to think, what are the rhythms? What spiritual disciplines do I as a single person, we as a couple, us as a family, what kind of spiritual disciplines do we want to embark on? How do we actually live a little more how Jesus lived? How do we replicate what Jesus did? Now, once again, it's important for us to note that I'm not saying we have to earn our salvation. It's really important for us. This isn't me saying, let's be a works-based faith. Salvation's free. We get that. Once we respond to the good news of Jesus Christ, hello, we have accepted the salvation of Jesus Christ. But what we're talking about here is saying, hey, let's actually get to know about the one who saved us. Let's actually begin to live a life where we are intimate. We are, we're saying, you know what? Above everything else, that commitment that I made to follow you, to surrender my life over to you, I want to live a life with you at the core. And so it's really helpful, church, for us to know that this is not a works-based faith, but this is people. This is a church who are concerned that in our current context, the data doesn't lie. The transformations are on their way down. People experiencing significant transformation in the life of the church is on its way down. Church, this should scare us. This should awaken us. It's almost like we're not who we were a few years ago. You know, my, um, my New Year's resolution this year, which I plan to keep this one, which we'll all giggle about because, you know, I don't have a great track record of it. But my New Year's resolution this year is to run... Um, 20 park runs. For those of you um, who know what a park run is, excellent. For those of you who don't, basically every Saturday morning at local community areas, they put on a 5K run. You run around, it's free, it's fun, it's fitness. You get the dolphin rush, happy days. Dolphins is code for endorphins in case you're like, what, is there dolphins there? No, there's not. And some of you may go, Jason, great goal. I think that's excellent, good on you. I couldn't ever imagine running 5Ks. But then some of you, who may have known me for a little bit longer may go, gee, Jason, just 5Ks. You sure? Because there was a time in my life where I was doing triathlons, where I was training sort of 15 to 20 hours a week, and I was quite, I was very physically fit. Um, and, and, you know, everything, everything was fit and healthy, and it was all moving really, really well. And now I've actually had to chew a bit of humble pie and go, you know what? I'm not who I was when I was doing triathlons. I'm not as fit. My resting heart rate is a lot higher. My VO2 max is not what it was for those runners. Ooh, good little terms. But it's not who I was, but it was this thing where I sat down with Soph and I was like, Soph, I just want to get fit again. And we sort of, I was like, it's just annoying me. You know, I, I really do want that, that runner's high that they call it. And, um, you know, we were just sort of talking. I was like, I'm just not as fit as I was. And so it's like, it's because you've got you to start small again. 
And it took me to actually go, you know what? I'm not who I was. I'm not the runner I was. I'm not the triathlete I was. I'm nowhere near as fit. But you know what? I'm going to put my shoes on and I'm going to run one lap around the block. And fun, fun fact, I had my first run for the year. And as I was walking down our street, I was run walking. And as I was walking down the street, my brother-in-law yells out, I can see you walking. And I was like, oh, no. And then um, someone texted me and said, hey, I noticed on your Strava that you did a little bit of walking there. Didn't want to run the whole way. And I was like, oh, no. So anyways, that's a real bit of um, humble pie that I chewed. Why do I say that? Because I think there's a lot of people in this room this week as I was, as I was preparing, as I was praying about this week, I, I really felt strongly in my heart that God was saying that there is people in this church who need to let go of the life that they once lived. That they need to be reminded it's not the size of the goals that matter, but it's the depth that you've gone to in order to set them. That God wants to remind you, don't look back on the life that you lived. Don't look back and go, well, once upon a time I did that. Well, you know, I'm not there. You know, I don't pray as much as I did. You know, I used to lead everyone to the Lord. You know, like I used to run an alpha group, like whatever it is. Don't look back on that. Actually sit and humbly come before God and say, cool, in 2023, what do I need in my soul? What is this yearning in my soul? And then how do I get there? How do I rewrite a different narrative? How do I become who Christ has created me to be? And it means that you don't look at the people around you. You don't compare what you're doing compared to other people. You humbly come before God and you say, all right, God, what does this look like? How do I get stretched? How do I get pushed? Maybe a little bit embarrassing to put the runners on and you know, go for a spiritual walk around the block. But what you're doing is you're doing something. And you've actually opened up and you've allowed God to reveal some of the stuff in your heart and say, well, this, this is what I need you to do. And so church, my encouragement would be is take this seriously. Take spiritual formation, take discipleship, take this rhythm series seriously. There is no greater thing that you can do for your faith. There's no greater thing that you can do here on earth then take your relationship with Jesus seriously. Then to sit down and say, all right, God, how are you going to form me this year? What are the branches that need to grow? What stuff needs to be cut down? What stuff needs to be cut off completely? What stuff needs to go? And you get out there and you give it a shot. Because church, we do not want this place to be a place that continues to see that 2% decline of people who are having significant moments in their faith. We want this church to be a church that is set apart by the way in which people are coming here and they are being formed by their relationship with Christ. They are saying above everything else in my life, I can lose it all, but as long as I have Christ, I will be happy and that is enough. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. So let me pray. So Lord, we are Lord, we just thank you for what you've done for us. God, you sent your son down to die on a cross to wash our sins clean so that we could live in relationship with you. 
And Lord, I want, I want to pray that from that, from that gratitude that we feel, that we don't deserve the salvation we've been given, yet you give it to us anyway, Lord. I pray that from that posture, from that place, Lord, we can just stem up this desire and this longing for intimacy with you, for growth in our relationship with you. And so Lord, just in this moment, I just pray, those who are online, those who are in the room, just pray that in this moment, Holy Spirit, may you just begin to reveal to those people what's their rule of life? What are their rhythms going to be for this year?